you can't be too perfectionist if, if you wait until things are perfect and everything's ready to roll and you're proud of the proud of what you're releasing or the process or whatever it is you're working on once once you feel good about it it's too late so it's more about getting it to where it's pretty much 80 percent ready to go and so it's good enough to move on and move on to the next thing welcome to the waste no day podcast a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your host, Nate and Brian, hang out with you. And this time, we are doing it remotely. So the audience is going to sound a little bit differently as we work our way through some new systems. But regardless of that, we're looking forward to a great show because we have none other than Dustin Huffsney joining us today. We're going to have a great discussion about what he's doing uh, in his HVAC business, how he's growing it so fast, and the leadership tactics that he's employing to make sure that happens. But before we do that, we're going to turn to Brian for our quote and then discuss it ourselves. Take away my factories, my plants. Take away my railroads, my ships, my transportation. Take away my money. Strip me of all these things, but leave me my key employees. And in two or three years, I will have them all again. Could be none other than Andrew Carnegie. Oh. I, I like that one, man. That's that's good. And that's going to tie in nicely to the conversation today with Dustin. Yeah, because who else had factories, plants, railroads, ships, transportation, money, <laughs> and key employees, you know? All yeah, those and only, key employees. Only take that away from so many people. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, so what what he's saying is uh, the the it's the team, man. It's all the team. It's that, that group of of people that you achieve what synchronicity with that makes something like that happen. Yeah. And it's the important part about developing those people into more and more uh, great leaders, great employees, great humans uh, that makes the return of success so much more probable and so much more satisfying. Which is exactly what we're going to talk with Dustin Huffsey about today. Yeah, Dustin's a great guy. Uh, I've met him before uh, just for a little bit, but uh, I know you've been hanging out with him a little bit more. And uh, he is running multiple branches of an HVAC business in the southwest portion of the country. Yep. So he also owns the Phoenix um, One Hour Heating and Cooling. And I live in Phoenix now, so we've got to hang out a couple times, have dinner together. Dustin's a great guy, kind of laid back, humble, quiet guy. But so you don't you don't really know what to expect, you know. But when you get him going, much like Nate Minnick, it, he's a fountain. He just starts pouring out gold nuggets that we're about to hear here shortly. Yeah, and it's it's exciting because he's he is focused in on developing his people, like that quote was talking about, or at least what the quote was inferring that he's spending time, energy and focus on developing the people within his business to make that next level of leaders and the next next level of leaders. So he's doing things like training. He's doing things like even surrounding the core focus of his business and making it applicable to the people in his business that this is, this is real. This isn't some type of, uh, you know, fly by night, uh, sounds good on uh, a keychain or a t-shirt type of thing. Like he's driving this concept down to empower his employees with with a better overall experience to become better people to become better leaders and in turn he will also have a better business yeah he's certainly not one of these guys who preaches leadership and teamwork and family and then doesn't know anybody's name he was showing us a video of a rattlesnake that he saw the day before this little meeting we had and uh, i said where did you see that and he was saying he just took one of his team members on a hike through the desert here in Arizona and ran into a rattlesnake. I said, why, why were you hiking with a team member in the desert? And he said, I just wanted some one-on-one with him, man. 
<laughs> I was like, love it, bro. Wow. And uh, it was two on one though, because somebody brought a rattlesnake. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. I'm out on that. <laughs> Maybe that's his uh, like leadership training bar. You know, if you can survive the rattlesnake hike, like you're good to go. Yeah, or maybe one of those uh, a traumatic experience. Now they'll never forget this, you know. The rattlesnake shows up. Yes, yes. Uh, interesting ways you're doing there, Dustin. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more about it. Well, we're also looking forward to hearing more about uh, a review. So, Brian, who is our special review of the week for this episode? Plumber's best friend. Five stars, baby. I don't usually listen to people talk when I'm driving, but my buddy sent, he clearly doesn't drive around with me, but my buddy <laughs> sent me one of these shows and I now listen to this every day. I'm trying to get better at everything I do now, thanks to Brian and Nate. Waste no day, boys. Plumb power. All right. I like We that. appreciate like you, Plumb power. So I didn't know if he was saying he's the plumber's best friend, but it sounds like, uh, we are the plumber's best friend. Waste no day is the plumber's <laughs> best friend. Couldn't agree more. Uh, we appreciate you, Plum Power, and we appreciate anyone who takes the time, energy, and effort out of their busy schedule and uh, scrolls down to the ratings and reviews, read a few of them, get inspired, get motivated, and then press on that leave a review button, press the five stars, and then leave us a little message. Uh, if you've never left a review, they will have you enter a little nickname or whatever. doesn't matter what that is. Just enter something. And it then does. Uh, it does matter what it is. We, does it? we give extra points for creativity. If you throw a dub in D in there or something, uh, actually the first person who leaves a review <laughs> and throws a dub in D in their nickname as part of that review is going to get a special gift uh, from the show. But you'll have to uh, we'll have to figure out who that is somehow and get their address. But the first review that pops up there, I'm going to read it on the air. That person has to get a hold of me, and uh, yeah, we'll send have to a screenshot code. Send a screenshot Ooh, yeah, of yeah. you posting the review. Yep, and then the first one that comes through, I'll ask somebody to send me a screenshot of it, and then we we'll, we will have a special gift uh, worth upwards of a hundred dollars, and it'll be uh, special to the show. And to you, and we'll send that out in the mail. So, yeah, let's see who can get there first. Love it. Finally, a call to action with a little uh, with a little reward on the other side of it. You know, absolutely. Well, this podcast is going to be rewarding as we put none other than Dustin Huffsey in your passenger seat. <laughs> Our guest today is Dustin Huffsey. Dustin entered the home service profession in 2010 and has focused on growing and impacting people. Taking over his family business that was started in 1988, Dustin started installing commercial ductwork and over the past 10 years has performed every role within his organization. With an intense focus on impacting people, Huffsey Home Services has gone from a little shy of $4 million in 2019 to over $30 million in annual revenue in less than four years. Can't wait to talk about that. Welcome to the show, Dustin. Thank you, guys. Excited to be here. Thanks for the invite. We're excited to have you. We are excited to have you on, Dustin. And as we uh, normally do, and as you know, if you're a listener to the show, we'd like to start off with a bit of an introduction of your story and how you got into the trades, um, your trajectory through the trades, and then what you're doing now. So give us kind of the Reader's Digest. Perfect. Yeah. So my parents started a HAC business in 1988, grew it from my dad running calls, my mom answering the phones and uh, slowly grew it from there. I was around it my whole life growing up, never thought I would be in it. Never. I have two siblings and none of us really ever. We worked in and out of the business, you know, through summers and things, but never thought that was a long term plan. So I went to college, ended up uh, actually coached football and taught. Um, high school for a year after college and wasn't really for me so reached out to my parents and was kind of talking about some different options I had and they sat down and had dinner with me and said look why don't you why don't you join us uh, running a business is running a business we know you want it you want to do that someday what do you think about joining us so that was 2010 uh, started then my big thing was I didn't want to join and have anybody think that I was given anything 
that was already in the business that had been there a while. So I kind of said, look, I want to start in the field. Uh, at that time, we did a little bit of commercial. So I started commercial installation, uh, just kind of doing everything out there, hanging S&D duct work, and then slowly learned the communication side. We were doing churches and schools and things that had one big control. And so I learned that because we were subbing that out at the time. So I started taking that over and then bidding jobs and project managing jobs. And then, you know, pretty quick after that, started looking at the margins on commercial work versus the residential work we were doing. It was like, uh, why don't we, why don't we grow this other side? And so it was about 2012, 2013, I kind of shifted into focus on the residential side and started really learning the sales process and teaching my guys that stuff. So we, we grew slowly in 2017 is when we joined one hour. And at that point, kind of me and my parents had a talk and kind of shifted to letting me be more in charge at that point. Uh, my parents were like, look, we think this is awesome stuff and we think you should definitely do it, but we're kind of worn out and don't want to uh, head that up. So you can, you can head it up. So they stayed on with me for a few years, but we made that transition at that point. And sometime around 2015, 2016, I think I, I'd always thought, just try to grow this business from, we were about 2 million when I started there. And I always thought, just try to get it to 7 million. If I can get it to 7 million, it'll be profitable and I can kind of have freedom to do what I want. And at some point in that 2015, 2016 timeframe, I realized that I really wanted to impact people. Uh, being in the trades, I saw a lot of guys that had never, or people that had never been shown simple things like budgeting and just different leadership stuff that I had maybe been around and seen. And so realized that there was a huge gap there and really kind of got passionate around growing people and impacting people. And so uh, in 2019, that's when we, we came out with our mission statement. Uh, and that's to have a positive impact on our employees, customers, and community one day at a time, one home at a time, one person at a time. And that's kind of really took me a while to come up with, but that sums up why I do what I do and why I love what I do every day. So, yeah, I love having the, the employees first, personally, because I was always a, uh, well, I don't know, at least in management, it, it's our, our employees and any type of leadership are our technicians and office support staff and there are sorry our clients are our staff their clients are the clients they go serve but our first priority should be our people yeah I felt like that felt like that forever and it's kind of feels like now it's picking up steam and and people are starting to realize that maybe for the wrong reason which is hey they're if they're happy they're more profitable but it's just like you know I've, I've been on both sides of the of the truck both sides of the office now and i'm like i want to work harder i want i'm happier at i want to work longer hours at a place that i feel has my best interest at heart not the place that says they have my best interest at heart and then does everything quite the opposite because right. they like to do a lot of lip service but the place that actually uh takes takes time to invest in people and invest in people's careers and futures themselves, like outside of what the employee does for themselves. Like, you know, these, these things that Nate's company there in Lancaster, Pennsylvania does the um, Dave Ramsey financial peace university course, you know, and you know, it's, it costs the company a significant amount of money to put on, but for what is it? 10 weeks, Nate? Uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of varies depending on how many people are in it and what level they're at, but definitely uh, running through the, eight weeks, 10 weeks, eight, 10 weeks that, that uh, everyone can come in and get trained up on managing your personal finances. And it, and that costs, I mean, people come in and sit in that, in that course, they're not out producing like they could be. And then the, you know, the people are getting paid to teach the course. So it's a, it's an expensive proposition, but that only benefits the employee has no real benefit to the company, but it shows me as a tech or as a person that this company actually means what they say, as opposed to, uh, you know, here's a couple extra large pizzas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I think that's, um, that's all hundred percent, right? We, the employees got to be first. Um, you, you realize pretty early on that you can't impact customers yourself, right? The only way we can have a good impact on customers is by our employees being really good employees and loving what they do. And so you get to see your team all the time. You get to talk to them, you get to train them, you get to pour into them. So you have that impact there. And then the community part, like when those guys go home, right? They're, if they're better husbands, 
if they're happier, they go home happier, the kids have a better life, it starts to impact throughout. And then also, obviously, we give back and things that also impact the community. But it's got to start with the, the employees, and that's what we focused in on. And we've done some of that financial peace stuff. We, we more do it as a one-off basis when somebody comes to us, and through one-on-one, we find out that they're struggling with that. Um, we really focus in on it, especially on – I know you guys have probably seen people who make – make a bunch of money and then they still don't have any, right? Cause it's, it's rarely an earning problem. Uh, so it's yeah, going to back in. Nate's just <laughs> yeah. burning over there on his Corvette. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. I think we've all experienced different parts of that. And so you see it in guys and see them seeing consistently having that problem. So, um, you said like taking people out of the field and that investment. That's so one thing I know a lot of companies train their guys in, obviously the skill set of the job, right? That's obvious and most people do that. And then second tier, most people are teaching at this point, the soft skills and communication side. That's just, unfortunately, you can be the best technician, plumber, service, whatever guy you are, you can, you can be the best technical, but if you can't convince a homeowner to go with the repair, like you, you can't be successful in this business. So you got to teach that second layer, obviously, but we really, we, once a week, we have a leadership training. It's every Tuesday morning. It's about 30 to 45 minutes and anybody who wants to come can come. And we'll, so if it's taking guys out of the field, great. If it's CSRs, anybody that wants to, they're all invited. Those classes are anything from forgiveness, right? And why that's important and how like that's, that can tether you. So you try to take steps forward away from um, your past, but if you haven't really forgiven people, like what that does to you and how that limits your growth. And it can be negativity. I think the last one I did was about negativity and just showed them like a clear cup of water and then a few just drops of food coloring and watch it kind of slowly turn that cup blue. And then we pour it into other people like their, their spouses or their kids when they get home and you pour just a little negativity out and, and you just see everything turn blue. And then we did the, how long did it take to get that back clear? Uh, you're pouring water for a long time. Uh, Depends on what, what kind of water treatment you use, bro. I can yeah, exactly. You so, you know, <laughs> and go into that. That sounds great, Dustin. Are, are these yeah. available uh, for streaming online? Can we can we check in on these? Oh, uh, yeah. Morning? So we, we record them. We do them on Teams. Um, so we could probably nice. set something up to, to share those. But those are those are fun things. And let's, I spend a lot of time prepping them. But I really enjoy it. You get to see new faces in there and coming back and I've got to see, you know, the text the next day, just one text or after the meeting about how it really impacted one person. I hit them a certain way. Uh, you have sales guys that are, hey, man, I just I think like the quote around, they think they're if they're negative about a call or they've been negative, they ran a few bad calls. They think they can get to the call and totally shut down the negativity that they were just calling their buddy about for the 30 minute drive talking bad about calls or whatever else they think they can flip that switch and then go into the home and they truly feel that way but i'm like they're still blue in your in your cup and if there's blue in the cup like it's coming out and so anyway it's just fun stuff to watch people watch people grow and change and then start to some of my guys or team members have taken that to the, and taught it at home or a family like, and taught their family some of this stuff. And it's just it's fun to watch, fun to watch them grow and, and those people move up through the ranks and, and then watching them carry on that leadership to the next level. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Well, speaking of growth, uh, growth is something that Huffsey Home Services has definitely been doing. Uh, currently clocking in over the $30 million mark. And I'm sure that's been a significant amount of change in getting to that place from where you were starting as hanging that duck work on the commercial side. So talk to us about uh, what it's looked like in the changing business and how you've been involved in seeing probably different iterations and cycles of the business, turnover of people, turnover of process, reinventing the wheel and then reinventing it another time. What does all that look like for you as you've gotten to this place of a substantial HVAC business? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's been uh, challenging for sure. It's you know, when we were when we were four million, I impacted everybody. I talked to everybody every day, so I was involved in the CSRs, right? And I was managing everything. And so at this point, I, my phone doesn't ring. I, there's people making those decisions, and I'm more casting vision and things. So. Every step along the way has been a different challenge. When we hit eight, uh, eight million was putting our first line of true managers in. 
and then that went pretty smoothly. I think the biggest jump from us was from eight up to the 12, 15 mark. We try to try to promote from within. And we've always said that, you know, that's that's the goal and we want to do that. But when we grew as fast as we did, there's definitely challenges around people being prepared for that next level. And they, they weren't. And so, you know, a lot of times you take your top performers and put them into that into that next role and they're not ready to lead just because they're a good good sales guy or a good you know CSR team lead or whatever. So there were definitely leadership challenges around that. Um, we jumped through some of those turtles. I think we then hit kind of a process gap, and that's where we're at right now. Is like our processes weren't set for a thirty million dollar plus company, and so trying to catch those up and kind of prepare for the next step also at the same time. Uh, it's been a challenge. It's I think watching guys make decisions, uh, giving me authority to make decisions. They're talented people. I've, I've got a really good team around me. Uh, luckily, I've been able to hire some good people, and they make a lot of good decisions. So that the, I think the the struggle for me was trusting them to make those decisions, uh, and and giving me the authority, not just the responsibility, but authority to make those decisions, and knowing that their decisions were going to be different than mine, but it didn't make them wrong ones, and so. That was definitely a, a challenge and a hurdle uh, that we got through. But we've, I think Craig Groeschel said that you can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. We've definitely <laughs> had, we've definitely had growth and we didn't have the other one. So um, get Mo. exactly. So we said, get Mo a lot around the office. And now I'm like, okay, it's time to catch all that up. Let's, let's worry about it. So we've kind of shifted into, Hey, we're going to, we're going to get control on everything. And then once we get control, we're going to lose it again and start growing again. So you want to explain what that acronym is, get Mo. It's good enough to move on. So can't be too perfectionist. If, if you wait until things are perfect and everything's ready to roll and you're proud of the proud of what you're releasing or the process or whatever it is you're working on. Once, once you feel good about it, it's too late. So it's more about getting it to where it's pretty much 80% ready to go and so it's good enough to move on and move on to the next thing. So we did a and lot of that over the last you few get years. surprised sure. by how much growth happens when a leader in a position is able to give something up at 80%, knowing it's going to get done 80% as well as you would do it yourself, and then letting it go. The focus you're able to put in other things really makes the business or the people or the, the team grow. It's phenomenal to see. It took me a lot of years to get to that point. Yeah, it's not easy. Each each one, each time you do it, it gets a little easier, and you you start to build trust. And I think that was the hardest thing: extending trust. They talk about you got to extend trust to know if you can trust someone. That's Except the only those way times to find when uh, when you release control and it's a hundred and ten percent as good as you would have done it, and you're like, "Oh, I'm not doing that again." <laughs> they need yeah, those. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that, that's a different feeling you get for sure. Like, oh, he's good. No, it's fun. It's fun to watch guys that, I mean, I've hired people that are better than me at, at my old roles. And so across the board, we've been able to grow because I've got a really, a really good team that, that does actually better than I would have once I was able to step back and let them do it and watch it and realize it's not my way, but it doesn't mean it's not as good. A lot of times it's better. And so it's been fun. So Dustin, I want, I want to focus back on uh, some of that growth that you were talking about there because you mentioned, you know, at, at uh, eight million was the first time that you put a line of managers in. But then the real challenge was the the speed at which you were growing and having enough people prepared to take additional leadership roles as you got to that twelve to fifteen mark. Obviously, a lot of our audience is technicians in the truck, you know, plumbers, electricians, HVAC guys, <clears throat> and I think a lot of people in the truck have a desire to get out of the truck at some point right? You know, it's, it may not be tomorrow, but on their, on their career trajectory, especially in today's age, I don't know that too many people are like, yeah, man, I'm going to be turning wrenches like my dad was till I'm 65, you know? So they're always thinking about like, okay, what does it take to get out of a truck? And it's, it's not as easy as just saying like, cool, I'll just get a position that's no longer in a truck because <laughs> those positions aren't exactly floating around. You have to be well-prepared and you have to have a different skill set than perhaps that you're exercising right now. So if you were speaking to, and obviously you do, uh, a bunch of technicians right now, and you would say, 
listen, crew, these are the things that you should be focusing on to develop the future you that is no longer behind a wheel. What would be some of those key attributes to focus on? I think leadership's number one. So I'd be reading leadership books. I think a lot of these guys, they know, they know the job. They know uh, generally how to sell the repairs. They know how to get the revenue. And so the next piece is being able to get a guy when you move up that that you can start to teach leadership and you, you know how to lead them, right? When you've never managed somebody or led someone uh, and then you're having to try to be in that position. I think a lot of what we focus on is you get to, you have to do the prep work on all of this stuff. You don't get to the point of being out of a truck without preparing to be out of a truck. And so you, they need to start taking steps right now on what does that look like? Where, what are my gaps? And I think probably everyone has slightly different gaps, whether that's, like I said, a leadership gap, maybe that's a knowing your numbers gap. You gotta, you gotta find your gap and then start to fill that uh, because you won't get out of the truck if you're not prepping to get out of the truck. So I, I think- So what are, what are some of the things that you do, and if you do them, I should say, um, for example, managing people or leading people, you know, if you're a tech in the truck right now, that might not be an opportunity that uh, is bestowed upon you. So how can I develop the leading people side of my gap if I don't necessarily have the title to do so? Yeah, I think that's, there's books, there's, these guys are driving, there's hours every day. I know you, everybody talks about, um, you know, mobile university, right? Driving around, listening to stuff. So it's, it's pouring in the time. It's putting in the time while you're on the road. It's putting in the time when you get home. It doesn't have to be, we're in, we're in a time where you can find resources. So even if your company is not providing it, if, if you're the own, you know, your own man in your own truck and your company, you got to find that time or it won't, it won't come to you. So you got to put in the work. I think the driving around a ton of windshield time. So I would recommend finding leadership books on there. Um, there's, there's a few core books that, that we read at this point, but I don't know if they're as helpful as the first guy getting out of a truck. Right. But John C. Maxwell, 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. There's, there's a ton of leadership books that, that are available to listen to. And if you start doing the work now and you're prepped, and I think that's one thing I didn't even realize, really realize what I was doing in 2013, 14, 15, but I was going home at night and I was watching Grant Cardone videos, watching 10 X stuff. I was reading leadership uh, books and watching videos and luckily I had because then when I got to this point I was prepared for it and I don't I don't think I would have ended up here without that so you got to kind of figure out if you want to get out of a truck you got to know you want to get out of the truck and then you got to start finding your gaps and what, what's your gap and then there's plenty of resources whether it's a podcast a mentor a book audio book and you got to start filling that gap and plugging that gap if only there was podcast out there specifically for the home services trades that had the authors of so many of these books on it all the time leadership selling you name it it's all over the place if only they I made trying, a podcast like this you know guys I was trying to set you up to plug it i didn't want to say it <laughs> i plug it pretty often <laughs> i plug it more than my iphone charger you know what i mean <laughs> Well, Dustin, let, let's flip that around on the other side. So let's say that somebody's listening to this show right now and they are, uh, they're currently a manager and maybe they're looking to develop their next level of leaders, right? And they're saying, okay, well, uh, I think I have a couple ideas as to who might be the next guy out of a truck. I think I might have a couple ideas about what positions they could go in. Are there any types of uh, trial by fire or trial by experience or testing the waters? that somebody like that could do to uh, sort of validate their feelings or give a, uh, you know, give a temporary role to, to see how they would perform. Yeah. So I think we learned the hard way, like I said, by promoting guys that we felt were right. And because we hadn't done the, the, the work first, but now we're at a point where you have team leads. So depending on the size of your technicians, how many n number of techs you have, I would put maybe rotating team leads in have two different team leads and run competitions between them and it's not a set position it's a maybe every month you rotate and you'll get to learn pretty quick and a lot of times we're shocked on the ones that step up and are actually better leaders even though maybe they weren't as good in the field uh, so we started doing some of that rotating so team leads we have a, a ca at one of our smaller branches sales guy that 
was a former installer. And so we're not quite to the size of needing an install manager, but we're going to use him to give him the opportunity to, to run some install meetings with the guys and kind of run some quality assurance stuff. So he's not an install manager and there's relatively little to no pay associated with it, but more an opportunity for him to step up and get experience and kind of prove himself. So I think there's, there's positions like that across every different, you know, CSR team leads and maybe they're grading calls for you. Just, just a little bit of authority, see how they respond to it. See, see if who steps up to the plate and you'll learn pretty quick kind of who is, and a lot of times it'll shock you who's who's the real really going to be the the next great leader in the organization or the right the right one to fill that next role. Uh, the cool thing though is if you pick someone and you put them in that role, a lot of times the technicians maybe second guess your decision or don't know if that's the right the right guy. But if you if you rotate this team lead thing, they kind of they rise to the top and it's pretty obvious to everyone, and so you have more buy in throughout the company of that's the right guy for the role. And like I told you, a lot of times it's shocking who that is. So if you had picked that guy, probably wouldn't have had a ton of support. But once they got to see it also, it usually becomes pretty clear who's the right one to step into it. And so we started doing a lot of that. We started a management development program that we teach once a month. And that's more around our culture and how we do one-on-ones and why we do them and how we hire and why we hire that way. And that was more people that we have identified as future potential managers and trying to get them up to speed before we have to actually pull the trigger and, and then being hiring somebody, you know, two weeks down the road. So that's a new thing to us. Uh, we we're a few weeks into it or a few months into it and um, it seems to be going pretty well, but we haven't released any managers out into the wild after it yet. So <laughs> I have to wait to hear yeah, how think- the results are. Those are those are good things, Dustin. And I mean, there's an adage in business that says, don't dress for the part that you have, dress for the part that you want. And I think that can easily tie back into don't conduct yourself in the role that you're in, conduct yourself as if you were in the role that you want, right? Don't wait for somebody to bestow upon you the title that you're seeking. Conduct yourself as if you have the title, and then it will be very clearly obvious why that title should be given to you and either way whether you plan on getting out of a truck or not you which i'm sure everyone does at some point but even if it's not even in your in your plans for the future right now you could sneeze in bed tonight and twist your back up to the point where you never turn wrenches again it's it's possible it happens it actually happens often you could go pick your kid up and and twist your back and that's it you're done so you should always be planning for the next step and, and getting around leaders and training and leadership. And it's going to make you better at everything else anyway. So switching gears, we'll switch on that note, which everyone should be should be training and leadership in some capacity. But I want to talk about what what was the company at when you took it over? And then what systems did you put in place and what what did you use that you guys think is kind of um, proprietary to your your uh, brand that you use to go from that number to the number you're at and build the team from where it was to where it, it currently sits. Yeah. So we were a little under 4 million whenever I took over um, in 2019 officially. That's when I actually bought my parents out, I started running it in 2017, but they were still involved. And so a lot of it was uh, my parents did an amazing job growing a business. They got to a point where they didn't really want to take any more risk and didn't want to hire more managers because they were happy where they were at. And so once they were out, I kind of was able to push a little bit, but it's also the culture. Um, I had always, you know, talked about managing it a certain way and building a culture a certain way. And, and at that point I was able to make it actually uh, come to life and, and be that culture. So pretty quickly into early 2020, uh, we had a lot of guys that were, coming from competitors and, and wanting a spot on the team. And so we were, we were really, really lucky and blessed to have a ton of guys that, that wanted to come. So then it just became about getting calls. And that was, we're in a big market. We were in DFW. We had a lot of competitors that were doing over 50 million. And so when one guy came from one of those competitors and came on board and saw it was real and everything we talked about and how we treated our employees and how we poured into them and grew them and it was a family culture and we took care of them we celebrated wins together once they realized that was real 
there was a lot more lining up. And so we've, we haven't had a problem with hiring. We've had people that, that want, want a spot whenever one comes available. So I think that'll be a challenge as we continue to grow. And at the size we're at, it's starting to be more of a challenge once you, once you get to be bigger. Uh, so having to shift there, but a lot of ours was, it was truly culture and building it the right way and just, just treating people the right way, taking care of your employees, celebrating together, um, focusing on finding culture that people wanted to be in and that would attract top performers. So a culture of, you know, celebration, treating people right. They want all that, but also top performers want a culture of accountability. They like to be held accountable. And so they expect other people to be held accountable. And so just creating that culture the right way. We started to get guys that really wanted to, to join the team and then they've been flooding in ever since. So then it, then it became about getting calls, but the biggest piece of, you know, all of, of business is our, our assets is the, the staff and the, the team that we have, right? We all know that. So being able to get good guys in is really what, what allowed us to take those, those growth steps. So what was your revenue again, 2019? 4 million, a little under four, 3.9 million. And you're going to eclipse well over 30 million this year. That's right. All right. Come on, man. It takes more than just good people to make that jump. What kind of, what <laughs> yeah, kind of systems, what kind of systems and stuff did you put in place to make that type of growth that, happen? Like eight, eight X in four and a half years. Yeah. I mean, we got, I, I had a really good sales manager come on board. And so there was a lot of things that were different about that business in 2019. My parents had built it up. We ran a lot of home warranty calls in the past building up to that time and so made a tough decision towards the end of 2019 to cut all home warranty calls uh, that was really tough to recruit you know top performers as well because they didn't want to run those type of calls so we made that decision we, we did invest pretty heavily into uh, seo getting our website to rank uh, we did we did a lot around that which which really helped out obviously but i mean and then the rest just happened. I think we, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the tough thing. I'm trying to think through exactly what all changes. I mean, you don't have to think that back that far, buddy. This was like two years ago. Right. A lot has happened. A lot has happened. We're, a lot has we're happened. not talking about the seventies here. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it. it feels that long ago with all the changes. Um, it's been an odd three years. For sure. Let me think what else. I think the one other big change is we were always battling like, do I get my installers? Do I get more installers on, on board and them trained up to do really high quality, great work? Um, or do I sell first? And so we, we had always, I would bring in a good sales guy and he wouldn't believe in our install quality. And we, we were doing good jobs. They probably weren't top of the line work. Right. They probably weren't the best of the best. And so we made a focus towards the end of 2019 and really investing in the install department and training those guys up to be the best installs out there. And so we started doing really quality install, really quality work. And when that happened, not only did the sales guys we had on board at the time be, be way more confident and believe in what they were selling, uh, but also when we were bringing in new guys, they saw we're, that we were way better than where they had come from. We were doing the, the top top of the line work and great quality installs. And so that really helped everyone believe in what we were doing, why we were doing it and how we were doing it. And so that definitely had a big impact as well. Now, I know that you're a big believer in the term servant leadership, Dustin. And that's something that uh, I want to jump into. Explain what that means to you and your organization and how did you go about either intentionally or unintentionally programming that into your organization? Yeah, that's a, I, I used to hear servant leadership and, and then we followed that for a long time. And, and about a year and a half ago, it kind of came to me that I don't think there's any other type of leadership. I think servant leadership is, is just leadership. And so when you know how to treat people and you know how to motivate people and you know all the things to do, but you're doing it for the wrong reasons, right? What would you call that? Um, well, I, selfish, I guess. Manipulation. 
it's selfish, but there's a word for it. And this, this is what's really tricky to me because I know servant leadership. I know that term. I know what it means. But to me, it's just leadership. So it's reading the right way. Because if not, you're literally just manipulating. So it's manip- it's manipulation because you know that to get them to do what you want to do for the wrong reasons, right? You study all these things and then you and then you implement them. But to truly be a leader, it's it's to do it because it's what's best for them. And so we just focus on everything we're doing is for our people and to get them better. And that's that's how we lead. That's why we lead. And that's what we believe leadership is. And so there's not a big line between the only line to me between leadership and manipulation is the intent of why you're doing what you're doing. And so you got to hire the right people. You got to make sure that the people you're putting in positions under you aren't aren't using the tools and don't have the right intent. And so that hiring process, um, we started doing ideal team player, hiring hungry, humble, and smart, and trying to make sure that the people that we were putting in these positions and bringing onto the staff believed in our mission and then had those three qualities. And so as we did that, it, it makes it easier to you start to see it go throughout the organization. Uh, and so I think to me, that's that's the only type of, of leadership is to, to do it for other people and to do it with a servant mindset and a servant attitude. And we tell everyone who comes into management, uh, it's, a, it's a thankless job, right? It's everybody can't wait to get there. And then you get there and you realize to do it the right way it's it's not as it's not as fun as you thought unless you really care about people and care about bettering their lives and then it becomes really really fun and and gives you purpose and gives you meaning in life and and it energizes me and it energizes the right people to do it so if you're doing it with the right mindset and the and the right uh purposes then it's energizing and fun so you know pretty quick if you have someone on the team that's that's not a good fit and that doesn't doesn't believe it uh, it's not doing it for the right reasons, I guess. So, Dustin, in your estimation, is it is is it possible to train servant leadership? Is does that have to be? Do I have to be born as a servant leader? Um, can I develop myself into it? Or are there certain benchmarks that I could uh, analyze against myself to see whether I'm meeting the mark as a servant leader? Or what does that look like? Yeah, I think anybody can become a good leader. I think you have to have integrity and the right intent. So you got to have a person with the right character. As long as they have the right character, they can definitely become a leader. And so that's about um, being around other leaders and reading the books, putting in the time, uh, trying to figure out what, what a good leader does, right? And so you can't be a good leader at the moment of the decision point. Like I'll get a phone call that's, Hey, this guy wrecked a vehicle or that we flooded this house, right? And how you respond in that moment is based on how you prepared for the last two weeks. Have you been, have you been like putting in time? Have you been filling your cup at home? Have you been reading positive things? And because you don't decide in that moment how you're going to react. I've had people ask me, how do you, how do you stay calm? I'm like, well, I, I focus on what I can control. And what I can control in that moment, like if the damage already happened, the situation happened, so what can we do to fix it? And then once once you're out of that situation, obviously you can address training on what made that situation occur and get better. But all of that, all of these things, once you get up to the decision point, it's decided over the previous month of what you've done. And so, like we talk about when we're talking about habits and things, that the best predict- like it's becoming a parenting podcast right now. Yeah. We, yeah, that's what I'm telling you in that leadership. We talk about habits. We talk about all kinds of stuff because that's what that's what matters. When they go home, are they better people? Better people, obviously, are better for the company, better for customers, but they're happier. And so we talk about habits and how that's the best predictor of success, right? And in the future is what, you, what have you done? So if you're in great shape right now, but the last three weeks you've been eating terrible and not working out, like you're on a bad trajectory, Right. And Bro, why people, are you making this personal, Dustin? How, how did I know all that? How did I know? <laughs> right. And so it's it's just a better it's a better predictor than where you're at. So for for people who aren't aren't leaders now, it, it doesn't matter. It matters. What, what are you going to do the next three weeks? Because that's going to tell us tell us where you're going to be down the road. I think a solid example of, of leadership is some of the things you just talked about there, which is remaining calm and 
objective in the moments of peril, in the moments of, of catastrophe and confusion. Um, you know, those who are listening to this show who are in the front lines, maybe they maybe they struggle with that. Maybe they're a very emotional person and they get very invested in the ups and downs of the day. They get very invested in the ups and downs of what the organization is doing. What would you say to them? Like, should they try to reel back in the feelings component of things? How, how do I become more calm so that I can be more objective and work my way into leadership? Because nobody really wants a leader that's running around with their, their hair on fire, <laughs> you know, when things are going wrong or, or like saying the sky is falling, even if perhaps it is not. People love stability in a leadership role. And so if I'm somebody who's openly saying like, oh, man, you know, I'm pretty up and down on things. What are some what are some uh, ideas for me to start beginning to pace myself into that other version? I think you need to start focusing like right now, today, not when the next situation occurs, but right now, today on I need to focus on what I can control in a situation. Because a lot of times you get you get to that point and there's not a lot you can control at that point. And if you realize that and you can focus on what you can control and that's all your focus is on, you're, you're going to get to a better, calmer conclusion and also like one that actually is productive in that moment. So a lot of it, like I said, it's the, it's the prep work, but you got to start today. You got to feel you got to figure out kind of where your gaps are. And so if it's a person that has emotional instability, um, you're going to start wanting to, a lot of times that's, that's built out of stress. And so what's, what's been happening a lot of times, like when you get to the breaking point, anybody, if they get to the breaking point would break. So if I, if I allow myself to get worked up and worked up and I'm not doing anything to relieve it, whether that's listening to music, taking a, taking a jog, right. You know, everybody's a little different on what they need to, to feel back kind of at home and at peace. But if you're not taking the time to get yourself right, then everyone will break in those moments. How so. much of it? How much of it is? And I've I've found this more and more lately for myself, and then recommend it to people who who I see uh, do it, and then have that same this same feeling is how much of that pressure release is going to have that hard conversation with a person that you know you need a hard conversation with, and I don't mean grabbing somebody by the collar. All right. I don't always mean grabbing somebody by the collar, but I don't mean like balling somebody out and giving them the business. But I mean, hey, man, can we have lunch and and have a have a chat and then just having everything that, you know, needs to come out? You know, you always want to soften that kind of conversation and say, this is going to seem personal. I don't want it. I don't want you to take it personally, but these are some things I just got to get off my chest for my sake and having that hard conversation and then. I don't know, you know, lifting weights is a big one for me that kind of exercises the demons and, and calms down the madness in, in my head. But but even even so, if I have something that's weighing heavy on my heart to have a conversation with somebody and I don't have that conversation, I can get a real good workout out of it, but I'm still pretty um, pressurized yep. at the end of it. Yeah, for sure. Those Those eat at you. Any of those things you know you need to do. And somehow that day escapes you or two or three days get away from you without having it. It's eating at you the entire time. So, Or an apology that you need to give. Yep. Yeah, I think they call it eating the frog where it's over yeah. there on your desk and you're staring at it. And it's bothering you the whole, the, the whole time, the entire time you wait to address it. And so we try to try to tell everyone, just eat the frog. Like make it the first thing you do the next morning to go have that conversation or do what you need to. Don't get, do you- don't get anything else. Do you have your leaders read the book, Brian Tracy book, Eat That Frog First? Uh, we have. It's been a few years. Probably could read that again. <laughs> yeah, highly, highly recommend it for anyone listening to the show. That's one of those books that comes across YouTube as a free, like, four and a half hour audio book pretty often. And then it gets taken down and then it pops back up later. So go to YouTube right now while you're listening. Sorry, pull over. Go to YouTube right now while you're listening. And uh, search Eat That Frog First by Brian Tracy. It's like, I think it's like a four and a half hour audio book. And, and just listen to that before you even finish this episode, because it's, it's that good. It's that important to do. Um, or go ahead and finish Dustin's episode, because it's such a good episode so far. It's not going to disappoint on the second half. And then listen to the audio book. Highly recommend. 
So shifting gears here, Dustin, I mean, we do have, uh, like I said, we do have a lot of techs and plumbers and electricians, uh, frontline people who are listening to the show. Um, and, you know, there's a number of things that may be causing trepidation uh, in their souls right now, anxiety, things that they're, they're getting worried about. What are the, some of the things that you are counseling your team on in terms of combating the constant barrage of negativity? that just seems to infect the trades, right? Whether it's people or circumstances or just dumpster talk, there just always seems to be this floating negativity around. What are some of the things that you you help guys build fences or or you know block it out or or change their perspective on? How do you help your guys stay positive and and turn away all that negativity? One thing we really focus on, my, my VP of operations, John Whitfield, he, he gives a talk called Hunt the, Good, Hunt the Good. And it's always about try to find, actually look for the good in the situation. Because there's always, there's always a silver lining you can find. And when you really train your mind to hunt the good, uh, you can find it in all those negative situations. So I think that's one thing we really, really focus on and try to, try to teach the guys on, on doing and just making that a habit to, to find the good. And do it every day. Do it in every situation. We, we have them tell. Um, we'll we'll have them go around and share. Like, hey, what are you thankful for today? What's one thing everyone's thankful for? Because when you have an attitude of gratitude and you really focus on being appreciative for what you have and and the life we're given and how blessed we are here in this country, right? Even the poor compared to other countries have it have it great. And so, when you have that attitude of gratitude and looking for for the good in situations and what you can be thankful for and reminding yourself of that, you, you, you're happier. You're a happier person. And so I think those things really, really help avoid that negativity. I think a, a third thing is me being vulnerable. So this year has been different. It's been, it's been tough for a lot of the, a lot of the trades people. Um, demand's been down. It's just been a different year and what, you know, what that's from. There's a lot of debates on what that's from, but for me to get up in front of the room and just tell them that and tell them if I struggled with something or I struggled through one of the transitions and maybe didn't lead as well as I should have, or I got sucked into the negativity, just being vulnerable and telling them, look, we're all in this together, right? We, we all, we all struggle with this. And so it's not just you, it's me. And it takes time and effort to, to get past it. So let's do it together. I think that vulnerability really helps other people know that, you feel like you're on your own. If not, you feel like it's it's just you. And so just hearing your leaders tell you that they struggle with stuff too, right? And they've, they've went through those same thoughts and those same issues. And it, it just helps them realize, okay, it's not just me. And now let's focus on what we need to do to fix it. Continuing on that same line there, Dustin, in terms of frontline people, the negativity is something that can... Uh, we can wear without knowing. Uh, consider it to be like a, an article of clothing. You know, you, you put it on in the morning and then you just kind of forget that you're wearing it. And then you go out to the homes of our clients and you serve them. And they, they see that you're wearing that article of clothing. They see that you're wearing that negativity. Or, or perhaps it's, it's like a smell, you know, that uh, you put on some bad cologne this morning and you become nose blind to it. But everybody that you interact with, they're like, whoa, dude, <laughs> like, uh, what are you what are you doing here? And you don't even think about it anymore. So how do you help the guys understand that the weather they carry, the scent of negativity, the 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 perspectives and the impact that they are conducting themselves in it? It means something to the clients that they are serving. How, how do you how do you help them understand that? And change in such a manner that the client either is not aware of it or go the other direction that the client's actually like, whoa, I don't know, something's different about you. I like this. I want more. Yeah, I think one thing that's really helped us is it's impossible for me to have that impact on as we grow and have more and more guys in the field. And there's just new guys that I've never haven't met yet or have haven't had a chance to, to talk to or, or lead or share anything with. And so a culture of accountability where the other teammates 
want them to succeed and will actually call them out on stuff where they, they see it. Right. And so they, they know when a guy comes in and he's just different after, you know, a few months of being himself and a few days in a row, he's different. And so talking to the guy and say, Hey, like you've been negative, like what's, what's going on. Right. And a lot of times that's something like you said, they don't even know. They don't, they don't even realize it. they're, it's, they can ignore it and, and it's kind of become their new normal and they don't, they don't think they've changed. But when they're hearing it from other people, I think it's really key as you grow to have everybody. It's not just every manager, it's everybody who's chipping in. And that's, that's on everything of accountability. That's on, are you wearing your uniform right? Right. When the guy comes in the building, are, are the other techs going to call him on not wearing his belt, not being tucked in? Are they going to call him on, on not having the right attitude? Are they going to call him when he when he's calling them and talking bad about a call? Are they going to pick him up in those moments and realize that, you know, that may have been them a few weeks ago and they need somebody to talk them out of it? And so I think through those trainings and talks and trying to tell people that, look, you're either adding to the energy and positivity of a room or you're, or you're subtracting. Well, which one are you doing? And being being mindful of that when you walk in a room that are you the one that's adding and so just kind of self-reflection of trying to figure it out yourself I think like I talked about we all everybody struggles all the leaders all everybody struggles with all of this stuff I think the really successful ones just are able to check themselves on it a little more often and and fix it and get back on the path by themselves right but I think having everybody in the building care about that, care about the business, understand the why behind we do everything we do, and then holding each other accountable because it's what's best for each other, is is it's vital as the business grows because you the managers can't do it, we we can't, and and so I think I think we've done well at that, but it's always um, we need to be better. Always can be I better. tell you, I tell you what, Dustin, you're absolutely right, and it makes me think about a podcast Brian and I did probably two years ago at this point, uh, where Brian, you brought up the point about be the type of person that when you call somebody and they look at their phone screen and they see that it's you, that they actually want to answer that phone call. Right? Yeah, I learned that like I think it was first my first year in leadership where a couple a couple techs would call me uh and when i saw their name come up on their caller id i would just go oh and i like rub my temples and then i thought to myself oh man how many managers have i had where i would call and they would rub their temples because i was a high producer and at times could be a prima donna and very negative and needy and uh so i i just tried to it it somewhat devastating to look back and think that to some guys who have been really, really heavy mentors in my life, there were times when they would look at their phone and see my name and, and rub their temples. And I'm like, I don't want to be that guy. So I wanted, so I brought it up in an episode that was probably our whole intro, probably a couple years ago now, but was just to say, I think every time you answer that phone or someone answers when you call, you know, that's why I started. It's literally because of that. I started answering the phone like uh, with an enthusiastic yo. And I'm not somebody who walks around saying yo like ever. But when I answer the phone, I'm like, yo, what's happening, Nate? What's happening, Dusty? Just for no apparent reason, always try to sound enthusiastic so that when you're calling me or if you see me calling you, you don't at least start with that dreaded feeling. And then I have time to earn that dreaded feeling that you have by the end of the conversation. <laughs> or not exactly yeah and if you're that guy that that answers that way because we're all like i said we're all going to be times where we're going to be slightly negative right? right and feel that way not often but occasionally but when you call that guy and the other tech answers he gets a decision of whether he's gonna help pick you up and respond positively and and give you positive emotions and positive thoughts and kind of change your mindset on things or is, or is he are you gonna weigh in on him are you gonna make him a little more negative because it's going one way or the other, and whenever that guy, when you, if you're the one that responds right, then then when you make the call, you're you're more likely to get the positive responses that pick you up, and that starts to it starts to go throughout your culture, it starts to go throughout the company where everybody's they know the guy's down, they know it's not a negative thing, and they're they're there to pick him up. So Dustin, starting to bring things in for a landing here, um, I want to circle back to your your company mantra. Uh, say that for us one more time. 
It's to have a positive impact on our employees, customers, and community one day at a time, one home at a time, one person at a time. A positive impact on our employees, our customers, and our community. So, I mean, those are three really big people groups there. And if, if I'm your employee and I'm thinking about that, you know, what are some things that you would train me on to actually conduct myself into each th of those three people groups? Like, how can I be positive to the employees? How can I be positive to my clients? How can I be positive to my community? Yeah, so for employees, it's being that guy that's going to pick the other one up. It's it's being there to not only sing praises to him when he does good, but being willing to hold him accountable when he, when he needs it, uh, knowing what's best for him and focusing on that. And then the customers is we just we just want to take care of customers. We want to go in, educate, provide options, and provide a really really awesome service uh, that that keeps them wanting to come back, but also just they feel well taken care of and like they're in the best hands. And then the community aspect, there's a few pieces. If if you're a better person, it's better for the community. We all live here, and so just having the employees be better and customers be better and happier that that rolls into the community. But we also do things like we'll do food drives. We'll do, you know, instead of a diagnostic, you can turn in some, some dog food. And if you do that, then we go and we'll have some of the team members donate that to a humane society and be there for the picture. So they get to see it. They get to see it actually happening. Uh, not just, you know, when you just collect the, the dog food bag, it's, Okay, and if you just turn it in, but when you get to actually go see it, um, we've donated blankets, you know, to the homeless, and we built a um, a playground at a uh, women's shelter for the kids that were in that shelter, and and they got to some of the guys got to go help put it together and see it, and that's impactful. So when you start to see what what we're doing, why we're doing it, and how we're truly living out our mission, it's inspiring it's motivating and it puts a lot of meaning and purpose to work which is i think what everybody's looking for so i love that that's some innovative stuff right there and, yeah, and really a great stuff. way great way to connect the technician to the client to the community and bring that full circle just taking some notes here for myself is like okay well i guess we know <laughs> what we'll be doing here in a minute <laughs> Uh, good stuff today, Dustin. Hey, before we wrap up here, if people are interested in learning about you, Huffsy Home Services, or what you've been talking about today, uh, where's a good place to find you? My LinkedIn, just Dustin Huffsy. I don't do a lot of Instagram or any of the other social media as well as I should. So, I'll, I'll oh, really? You have the duck lips down just perfectly. Yeah, I got that. I got the poses down. I just haven't, haven't made it happen yet. No, I, I, <laughs> I need to be better at social media, but... LinkedIn is probably the best route. I don't know awesome. that you need to be better at social. I don't know you're missing. <laughs> what are you missing exactly? You're gonna if you nearly eight x a company in six years, you're, or sorry, in four years, you're doing all right, buddy. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. So as we wrap up things here, Dustin, I mean, what what is what's the next goal for you? You're, you've eclipsed the thirty million mark. Uh, what are you charging ahead towards? So in 2019, we set a, a goal and a vision of 100 million by 2029. Uh, we're well on our way there. Um, like I said, we're going to focus in this year to get control, get everything caught up, and then and then lose it again through another growth spurt. So we're still pushing for 100 million. We'll see uh, see what happens after that. But I think the more the more people we get on staff, the more people we can impact, and that's what's fun about it. So. If the growth stops here, I'm happy. We're going to do things the right way, take care of our people, and see where it takes us. But I think $100 million's well within the, the reach and still still the target. That's great, man. Kudos to you, and uh, we'll be cheering you on along the way. Dustin, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been great to talk with you, hear about all the things that you're doing uh, and, and growing your leadership and developing your people and taking care of your people and in providing some really sound insight for our techs and managers listening to the podcast today. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on, Dustin, and we'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Keep up the good work.
Hey, that's a wrap for this episode. Hope you enjoyed talking to Dustin. It was great to hear from him. I think he's doing some really cool stuff uh, in terms of training his people, developing them up as a more more than just you know turning wrenches and even the soft skills, but going further than that to the third level uh, where he's developing them from a personal side, caring about their their personal finances, their relationships, their even their outlook on life, and how important is that, and what great stuff is he doing there? So I appreciate hearing from him and. Uh, a lot of good takeaways from today. We always want to be providing great takeaways from you. Hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave us a review. Five stars would be great. Shoot us a comment. Let us know what you loved about the episode or let us know who you'd like to hear on the next episode of Wasting Day. We want to leave you now with our weekly challenge, which is always the same, to choose to wake up every single morning and waste no day.